Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another installment of History Hack. Alina, who have you got and found for us today? We've got with us Kelsey Power, who is a PhD student at King's College London. She's currently working on prisoners of war during the Napoleonic period, specifically the British in France and honour. Welcome, Kelsey. Hello. This is great. I I love this concept of honour among prisoners. And I've got some guys I research in World War One who are interned in Holland uh, and they're given leave. They're allowed to go home on leave as long as they promise to come back because it dictates that you have to do that if you said you would i would be like yeah sure i'll do that and then they wouldn't see me for dust but yeah me too this existed so i guess first of all kelsey can you set the scene for us during the napoleonic war why are there so many prisoners of war uh so it's actually kind of an interesting um change from what was like normally happening uh so prior to the napoleonic wars it was um kind of like standard that um prisoner exchanges would happen Uh, quite frequently, right? You would uh, be captured and then you would be exchanged uh, for somebody of equal rank. Um, And there are cases of that taking, you know, as short as like two weeks um, kind of thing. Um, But when Napoleon kind of comes to power and the uh, peace of Amiens kind of dissolves, Napoleon kind of changes the rules a little bit. Um, So he um, decides that... um, instead of regularly exchanging prisoners, he's just going to hold them. Um, And in addition, he also um, kind of decides that all of the uh, British people uh, currently in France um, who had come flooding back during the peace, right? They'd, um, they'd, you know, eagerly come back to France to try and reestablish, you know, like trade relations or to, you know, get back to go to the theater or, you know, buy the most fashionable clothing or, uh, you know, do their, you know, nice tour of Europe. Um, They kind of get rounded up and uh, declared as prisoners of war, even though they're civilians um, under the sort of um, maybe kind of (laughs) fake reasoning that uh, they could um, be enlisted in the militia in, in England. So uh, you have a a large group of um, civilian prisoners of war and then um, a large group of sort of like naval prisoners of war. And they are held uh, instead of being exchanged for for the duration of the war. I was not expecting you to say that people, normal people, normal civilians are being rounded up and put in. I, I, I can't understand this. 
I mean, I understand it, but I can't understand it at the same time. Yes. I mean, some of them had, had uh, like properly moved to France. Um, there's, there's one um, account written by a, um, uh, he, he'd been working sort of in um, politics and stuff. And he was talking about how like some of the people had been uh, like French citizens. They, they'd been living in France for, you know, some of them 20 years and had families and jobs. And suddenly they're deemed like, oh, you're British now. <laughs> and uh, therefore, you know, you, you have to move into this prisoner of war depot. That's, it's, mm, it's sadly not an isolated event in history, is it? Suddenly deciding that, uh, I mean, you have with the Japanese in Canada and America in World War mm-hmm. II as well. So where do they keep them? You mentioned depots. Yes. Uh, so France actually was really lucky <laughs> compared to, to other places. Um, they had established um, kind of places where they could keep prisoners of war. Um, so they had a host of kind of fortified strong places um, on the what was at the time uh, French border um, established during the, the 1700s by, <clears throat> by a um, architect uh, named Vauban. And um, so these are these are names that are probably famous um, just generally, right? Verdun, Metz. Um, these are these are strongholds that you know become famous again during World War One because they're easy to defend. And they just shuffled all the prisoners into these um, these castles, I guess, <laughs> almost, uh, and 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 um, into the towns surrounding them. Um- I'm really stuck in the 20th century, so you're going to have to tell me what these living conditions are like for them. So that really depends on um, a couple of factors. Uh, the first mainly being uh, whether or not they're an officer and therefore a gentleman, um, or um, if they're a detainee, right, one of these civ- civilians who were detained, um, or if they're part of like the merchant fleet, Um because there's some confusion really um, with the French over who kind of constitutes uh, someone who's honorable and um, therefore gets to live on parole and someone who isn't. So what you see is they take all of the officers and most of them end up in Verdun, which is kind of like the, the place where most of the civilian detainees end up as well. Um, some of them get like special permission to live in like Paris and stuff uh, but the bulk of the detainees with very few sort of um, you know special cases end up in Verdun and this is like the privileged depot um, and most of these prisoners get to live on parole which means that instead of living in the actual you know like citadel um, they get to live in the town. They get to find their own lodging. They get to um, sort of travel within like 10 miles of the depot. Um, and they start kind of uh, creating their own society that mimics British society. So they have gambling and um, like uh, horse races. They do horse races. Uh, they have libraries. They start a school for navigation and learning French. Some of them are taking dancing. Um, they have gentlemen's clubs. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Um, yes, they have gentlemen's clubs. And, um, so they kind of like, you know, hold, hold dinners, go to balls, same as they would, uh, in privileged society in, in England. Um, 
And then below that, or um, kind of adjacent to that, you have uh, merchant captains. And the way that the French um, kind of divided this up was that if you were a captain of a ship that was greater than 60 tons, then you got to be like a gentleman. You were properly, you know, uh, important enough to 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 give your parole. Um, but if you if you captained a ship that was less than that, then you got sort of shuffled off with all of the, you know, like riffraff, uh, normal sailors and uh, and and things. And so the normal sailors uh, they get to uh, live within the citadels, um, and they have. Uh, you know, ones that are kind of like devoted specifically to those kinds of prisoners, right? And so there's this really like huge divide kind of between the the uh, way that prisoners kind of experience their incarceration, depending on um, whether or not they were they were considered, you know, honorable enough. How does, is there an evolution in the status of prisoners of war throughout the Napoleonic Wars? Um, that's difficult to track, um, partially because uh, the the prisoners, when they're writing, uh, they actually don't usually write down uh, very well, like what what time or what year they're writing in, and that's I think that's kind of understandable considering we're all in you know lockdown right now, and you kind of like lose track of what day it is. Um, but also, they had very limited access to um, Things like newspapers. There were there were periods where they were not permitted to receive or send letters. Um, so the normal ways of like keeping time um, make it a little bit difficult to very specifically kind of take you know like oh this bit where you're talking about you know being imprisoned or this bit where you're talking about trying to escape or this bit where you're being treated really well. Um, unless they they really you know do a good job of bookmarking that um it's hard to pinpoint that as a you know oh in 1803 it's very different from like 1813 mostly the big uh changes is you know pre-1803 and then after 1803 Mm -hmm. there's this you know huge kind of like change um but they continue to to try and um arrange uh sort of like trading prisoners back and forth uh, for, for several years um, after that. Uh, but it never quite works out, unfortunately. I've been given a French word, so I really do apologise <laughs> if I do pronounce it wrong. So please, can somebody correct me? So I'll go for the question, and then when I pronounce it wrong, you can either laugh at me or correct me, take your pick. So can you define for us the terms prisoners... Detenius parole? <laughs> Detenius parole? I don't know. I mean, I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly with my, you know, gauche American accent, but I just say detainers. Um, and it just means detained. And, um, oh. yeah. Do you know so what prisoner... parole is, Alina? No, I know, but I know what parole is, but, the de... but now I know it means detained. It makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of distinction um, between prisoners and detainees, right? Um, sometimes there's a huge distinction that they themselves make, and sometimes they just all get classed as prisoners. Um, so prisoners of war is a, you know, like legal term that has legal standing. Um, you are a, um, you know, member of an armed force. You've been captured. Uh, you have rights, basically. Um, and the 
British government will negotiate uh, with the French government during this time in order to make sure that you get, um, you know, you get paid um, during the time you get like an allowance. Um, you um, are being uh, granted more privileges and, um, you know, like people, people know what to expect from you. They can, they can talk to somebody who's in charge. Um, they can, they can refer back to the British Admiralty if they have a problem. Um, so there's a real sort of like connection between the French government and the British government that means that these, these people have like real protections and legal standing. Um, detainees on the other hand, right, the detained, these are the civilians and, you know, completely um, unprotected uh, in a lot of ways. They're left on their own. They don't get this um, minimum payment of, uh, you know, oh, you're part of the armed forces. Um, so they're left um, paying their own way and supporting themselves, um, which is quite difficult because uh, some of them are very wealthy and some of them are really, really not. And then uh, parole. Parole is uh, basically means or translates to word of honor. Um, and so you, you see that nowadays in like the prison system, right? Uh, somebody who is given parole is kind of uh, given the privilege to leave the prison early, um, provided, of course, that they don't commit any more crimes. Um, I'm sure that there are going to be a, a number of uh, criminologists and prison studies people who are going to take issue with that definition. But, um, <laughs> but that's your definition and you stick to it. Yes. Um, <laughs> So what's interesting about parole is the like part about honor, right? Um, so only the people who are considered honorable are allowed to give their parole. Uh, and in this time, the people who are um, considered honorable are the people who are members of the aristocracy who already have privilege. Let's get to the point of your research, which is honor and the concept of honor. What does it mean during this period? So honor is really interesting, um, again, because it is this... Um, sort of like very privileged kind of concept. Um, it's expanding at this time period. Um, we kind of think of honor as being, you know, okay, you're in the aristocracy, therefore, you know, you're, you're um, defending your privileges, you're, you know, conducting duels if somebody insults you, you're going to, you know, fight over it. Um, and at this time period, it's expanding. So it's also um, encompassing sort of like commercial uh, people um, and everybody's got like a very different understanding of what honor entails, right? Um, uh, and that's one of the the interesting things about um, prisoners of war and honor is that they're fighting over what is the appropriate honorable behavior um, because they have such a you know wide spectrum of people who are being imprisoned. Um, you know, from the army, from the navy, who both have different ideas of honor, um, civilians who have a specific kind of honor, kind of like fighting over, uh, you know, what what are what are we supposed to do when we're suddenly being imprisoned for a really long time, which we've never had to deal with before? Um, you know, how how do how do we uh, navigate this problem? Why were POWs using honor instead of duty at this time? Uh, so so honor is a less kind of like professionalized um, way of uh, enforcing kind of social behaviors, right? Um, 
we kind of think about honor now is a very specific thing, usually related to, um, you know, like honor killings. Um, but at the time, it was is like proto-professional. Um, it's grounded in the military. Um, and this is because the aristocracy is historically like the group that is in charge of the military. Um, so courage is important. Um, willingness to sacrifice your life or reputation is important. Um, but these things like marked people out as trustworthy and um, as, as uh, you know, like worth, uh, worth following into battle. Yeah. Um, duty, on the other hand, seems to be kind of um, a more professionalized way of describing it, right? If you're a member of a, you know, profession, if you're part of the Navy, then you have specific, you know, a specific job to do and specific expectations. And these are usually laid out um, in, you know, rules and things. Um, and so POWs are using honor because the people who are in charge are, um, you know, the aristocracy and they're the ones who are concerned with honor. Uh, when you see the discussion um, mention duty, it's usually in response to uh, lower class prisoners of war. So the upper class prisoners, right, the, the um, officers, right, when they talk about, you know, should we do this? Should we not do this? What is appropriate behavior? They are always using the language of honor. Um, but when they talk about, you know, say lower class prisoners defecting and uh, joining the French Navy, then they will pull out the language of duty to say, you know, these people have a duty to their, to their king. Um, but they don't grant them that, um, you know, privilege of honor um, because they're not of the upper class. So really, like, when we talk about honor um, for prisoners of war, the reason why they're talking about it as honor is because the people who are in charge are, are most concerned with that as the higher standard of um, behavior. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How did honor manifest in such a male-dominated space? Uh, so it's, it's interesting because, <clears throat> for one thing, it's not quite uh, probably as male-dominated a space as you might think. Um, a lot of these prisoners... Um, because some of them were civilians, they had their families with them, um, or they, you know, um, married French women, or they they brought their family over from from Britain to live with them. 
um, after they realized they weren't going to be exchanged. Um, so actually, you see that they're they're not quite as male dominated as you know, say, actually being on board of a ship. Um, but you also see that like honor um, manifests in some interesting ways. Uh, for instance, uh, dueling. Um, something that you wouldn't think that prisoners of war would uh, be allowed to to participate in. But actually, Napoleon made a specific, he carved out a specific um, exemption for prisoners of war um, because dueling was not legal in France at the time. Um, but the, the prisoners specifically appealed to Napoleon and he said, yes, uh, British prisoners uh, may, may duel with each other and in fact, duel with French people. Um, so you see some instances where uh, people are called out and they'll, you know, they'll actually fight. Uh, where they get the weapons, I don't know. But So they were dueling with each other. I mean, what, did, did people die from this? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, dueling, dueling happened a lot. Um, a, a number of prisoner accounts will mention just how frequently dueling happened. Um, you know, they're disappointed in their, in their fellows for dueling so frequently. And they think it's, uh, they mostly ascribe part of the problem to like boredom and the fact that, you know, you have a bunch of people from different classes uh, thrown together and um, whatnot. But it, it's things like, you know, oh, this person has uh, decided to exclude me from the gentleman's club that I want to join. So I'm going to challenge him to a duel um, or, you know, that, that sort of thing. So they could be that petty that, oh, I just got excluded, let's duel. Oh, it's more, it's more petty than that. I suppose <laughs> um, uh, if you've got nothing else to do. It, yes, indeed, right? Um, there, I mean, there, there are instances of duels. Uh, one one uh, prisoner talks about how he had a duel with his best friend over an argument about who had had the best dinner in, in London. So... <laughs> Alex... I don't like you right now. Let's. Do oh my it. god, we would have dueled each other like three thousand times if we were that petty. <laughs> oh please, can we next time I, I'm in London? Can we duel, please, just for fun, but not with real swords because we might kill each other. But so like, like, no, it's guns, <laughs> isn't it? So a potato oh, yeah. gun or a water it pistol. Is, it is guns, yeah. Um, oh, which yeah. is interesting. Like, why why do they have guns? Who's been carrying uh, dueling pistols with them all the way from the and coast hasn't in... tried to use them to shoot your captors and run away? yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh no um this is it we're dueling with with can we duel with both swords and guns oh how do you want to duel with a sword because you walk away from each other then turn around are you going to throw it at me and we're going to run at each other like you know braveheart we discussed yesterday on down the pub that they didn't have those swords in braveheart times it was a lie but 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 some lies indulge me in my in my in my weird imagination sorry i indulge you more than enough kelsey why <laughs> is honor so important um honestly it, it's a way for the prisoners to kind of protect themselves um there's no sort of legal precedent at this time to sort of say okay this is how you you treat prisoners of war i mean there are discussions uh for a long time but they're not enshrined in like an international legal code it's just uh this is what the tradition is this is what all quote unquote civilized countries have kind of agreed to over time um so honor is a way for prisoners to kind of like assert their um 
their their humanity and their privileges, right? Um, so were there any escapes? And mm-hmm. how does honor fall into all of this? Yes. So uh, they're kind of faced with the first time with this idea of escape, right? Because if, if um, exchanges are occurring regularly, um, which, you know, prior to 1803 they were, escape doesn't really become necessary. You know, you just wait it out. Um, but suddenly these people are, you know, constantly, you know, being let down by this idea that like, oh, I'm going to be exchanged and then it doesn't happen. And so they start to contemplate escape. And they have to figure out when that's appropriate. So um, parole, right? The parole promise that they're they're giving um, in order to live in the town is that they won't attempt to escape for as long as their captor um, doesn't keep them, quote unquote, closely confined. And close confinement meant being kept within the citadel. Right. So if you were living in the town, you were using your parole privileges and therefore it was inappropriate for you to attempt to escape. But if you were uh, if you broke the rules enough, uh, you could have your parole privileges revoked and then you would be kept in the citadel. And there are some like quibbles over like, um, you know, if you're if you're just kept as a guardhouse, does that constitute uh, enough, you know, citadelness um to 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 mean that your privileges have been truly revoked or do you need to wait until you're properly put in the dungeon part of it and then there are of course like uh difficulties about you know the these different ideas of honor right so the army has a different idea of honor the navy has a different idea of honor and civilians have a different idea of honor so civilians don't have a you know strict idea of when uh, their parole privileges are being revoked. So a lot of them just kind of escape uh, w- without having their their parole privileges taken from them. And that causes a little bit of trouble. Um, so there are a few like fun ones that I wanted to talk about. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's one uh, case of two detainees um, who escaped and everybody is uh, issued with a passport, right? This has their name and their, you know, ages and where they're from if they want to travel through France. Um, and what these uh, this couple does is they have a passport for just um, the wife, right, Georgiana, um, because women tended to have free uh, movement, whereas the men did not. Um, and what they do is they alter the passport. Um, for her so that it says George and Anna and then uh, hire a coach and just like travel out of the out of the country Um, there's also a case of uh, a man named Sir Beaumont Dixie uh, which is just a great name I I, uh, am in love with that name yeah Um, it's pretty cool uh, but he he ran into trouble because he was detained as a um, as a civilian a detainee and uh, he had previously been a naval officer, um, but he'd unexpectedly inherited. Um, he was like the younger brother and his older brother uh, passed away. And so he inherited the title and left the, um, left the Navy. Uh, so he tried to escape um, by going on a picnic. Um, this was like a frequent thing that people did. They would go on picnics and go swimming. And he 
stripped off all of his clothes, left them on the bank of the river to go swimming, and then just like swam away with the idea <laughs> that. <laughs> See, I would, would do something out. like this. Screw honor. I don't yeah. want to be in jail. Well, yes, that's the thing is that he he was hoping that everybody would think that he drowned, and he told some of his friends that you know spread this idea that I drowned. But um, some of the naval officers, kind of like the the captains um, in Verdun, heard about this, and they were like, "No, no, no, no! You were a former naval officer, and that is that is too close to being an actual naval officer." So they reported him to um, the the general in charge of the depot, and they they recaptured him. Oh no. I was yeah. hoping you would say that he made it and he got to fr- no, no. Unfortunately, he got sent to the imprisonment, uh, the the like prisoner, like the punishment depot, uh, called Bish, and uh, he he ended up uh, staying a long time in the the dungeons there, but uh, did eventually make it out. I love it. Have you got any other escape for us or escape stories for us? Everybody loves a good escape story. I love a good escape story. Yeah. So my my personal favorite is this case of um, a midshipman called Edmund Temple, and um, he's he's uh, he's not popular <laughs> among the the other prisoners. Um, and that's for a few reasons. He's kind of snooty, uh, but also um, he gets into considerable debt. Uh, so there's there's a gambling den in Verdun that is open specifically to British prisoners of war. They don't want the French people going in there, and it's to you know make make money off of uh, the the British prisoners. Right? They lose all of their money, and then the French people get to keep it. Um, but he gets in debt to this man named Balbi, who is a loan shark, basically. He owns the, the gambling den and then moves into loan sharking. And there's uh, some discussion at the time about whether or not um, debt to, uh, you know, British debt can be uh, reclaimed or not. Um, you know, are they able to kind of... Uh, are they allowed to be imprisoned for debt, right? Just as, uh, you know, like they would be in, in England if they don't pay their debts. And so he interprets this idea that he might be imprisoned for not paying his debts as a, a breaking of the parole promise, right? They're going to like properly imprison him and he's not going to have access to, you know, living on the town anymore. So that means he's allowed to escape. Um, Unfortunately, uh, nobody in the the British, you know, Navy kind of agrees with him. Um, but what he does is he he gets his uh, then girlfriend. Um, uh, gosh, I forget her name. But uh, she and him organize a their escape together. So she hires a coach. They build a sort of like secret compartment under the floor of the coach, and then just kind of like walk out of the town. He hides in the, he hides in the bottom of the coach and she sits on top of it and they just drive out. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so simple. I don't. How do you get yourself? If you're already in jail, you're already in a pretty dire situation. Do you end up getting yourself into more trouble with a loan shark? You've got to be a bit of a div, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it's the sort of thing. There, there. A lot of the um, people who get uh, in debt are either because they they don't have very much money to begin with, mm. and they're being extorted by. Uh, you know, their landlords or the um, the general in the depot, uh, Wirion, is actually constantly being uh, put down in all of the the prisoner of war narratives about just how terrible he is because um, he will charge them excessive amounts of money for um, pretty much anything, yeah. really. Uh, um, so they're they're paying a considerable amount of money to to live on the on parole, um, but then you also have people who are just bored, right? They they don't have anything else to do. Um, they're young and they don't understand uh, credit. They don't understand the the you know things that they're signing, and they're just gambling with their friends because that's what you know wealthy young men do and then suddenly they're you know three thousand pounds in debt to somebody who daddy's not there to pay the bill yeah, yeah. <laughs> when does this idea of honor when does this start to wane because there, there is a little bit of it about the first world war i did find those dutch prisoners they were part of the naval contingent that turned the wrong way and ended up interned way at the beginning of 14 and the officers were put in basically they lived in like halls of residence at I think it's Groningen Uni uh, for the whole war and they were allowed home on leave as long as they promised to come back but when does this it's definitely gone by World War II hasn't it yeah I I think that's really when it kind of disappears Um, I don't know if you've seen the film La Grande Illusion Um, no okay it's a it's a film about World War One and prisoners of war and it's like gorgeous it's a gorgeous film Um, but part of the premise is this uh huge difference between the prisoners who are um, part of the aristocracy and the prisoners who aren't. Um, so there's a whole plot point about um, one of the, the wealthy prisoners, like, uh, you know, his German captor right there. They're like, we have more in common with each other as being, you know, part of this, you know, aristocratic class than you have with your, um, your countrymen, your French countrymen. And, um, he kind of like the the French you know aristocrat eventually rejects that and helps these uh, you know like lower class French prisoners escape, but um, it's a real it's a real discussion point even then. Um, you know the the film is based off of um, actual experiences in World War One, so um, I mean I don't really study World War One, but I would suspect you know both from that and from from you know the. Dutch prisoners that you've mentioned that it persists a lot longer than um, I think we we would think of. Um, it definitely sort of disappears in World War II, and you can see that because they've they've got more laws in place about you know human rights and protecting prisoners, and you see this shift toward this idea that like prisoners have a duty to attempt to escape. Right, they're not using honor as their their guiding you know light anymore. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us. That's it's excellent. We never had a chance to talk about uh, prisoners of war in a Napoleonic period, and I actually I really enjoyed that so much. So thank you. Well, thank you for uh, inviting me. It's been fun. Don't forget that we do exist on Patreon 
as History Hack and on Patreon as well, which is Podbean's own version. Uh, Elena and I have had massive fun doing this in 2020, uh, but life's going to change quite a lot next year and we're going to actually have to go and earn a living, etc. If we want to keep up the regularity that we've been bringing you and the kind of guests that we've been bringing you and the workload, then we will need your help. So uh, if you join... There's going to be incentives for joining on either of those platforms. We're revamping ourselves on both of them. So don't forget to go in. You can do as little as a dollar a month and it all goes towards keeping up History Hack as regular as we've been able to bring it to you this year. We are now on YouTube. We are posting all of our new episodes on there and we have our own channel and we are gradually posting all of the back episodes because we have been made aware of the fact that you can only find the last hundred on some platforms. So you can go and listen to your heart's content and laugh at the cartoons and have a great time. So do go over there and subscribe. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 